2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: This dedicated to Henry Fawley. In the year of the
2: primal War to the door of the rest
0: Welcome to Tuesday's Heavy Metal Miscellany, a bonus episode of Agitators Anonymous. I hope that I find you well from a very, very cold, rainy, miserable Dublin. We're recording the 10th primordial album at the moment. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, I forgot that we'd even made nine. I think I, I sat... Eight albums and completely forgot one. Well, you know what they say. When you have nine million, what's another million going to, what's it going to do for you? What's it going to really change? Well, Tuesday's heavy metal, Miscellany, um, ramble across some rock and roll stuff. My voice sounds like I've been singing, but I haven't actually sung a note. Um, the studio is perched in the Dublin mountains, which you can sort of overlook the bay of Dublin and down onto the city. Um, kind of like a little basin, and it's been very, very cold up in the mountains. And, well, I say mountains. They're not like, you know, mountains, mountains, but they're, you know, sort of rather large hills. But you can look down over the city, and the city has been engulfed in a sort of gloomy, grey, drizzly fog. Any of you who've been to Dublin in January or February will know exactly what I mean, even though uh, we are now in March, and there's nothing Irish people like to do more than to complain about the non-weather. The show is sponsored by Metal Blade. So you can go to IndieMerch.com slash metalblade, And you can use the promo code AA2023 for 10% off your order. And that ships worldwide. Um, and a few other sponsors coming up. But um, a couple of questions, a couple of people asked me, um, you know, over a few direct messages and all that kind of stuff. And the first one was kind of what is the new primordial album going to be about? And do I find it difficult to find subjects? Um, and I think that the podcast, um, if you've been following the podcast for these last couple of years, um, it was a sort of a reaction to obviously lockdown and all that kind of stuff. I had the time, I had the space and I tackled a lot of um, subject matters in those first two years of the podcast that I suppose were more political. On some level. And then as things changed, you know, society opened back up. um, You know, it was clear that many of you didn't want to hear the same thing over and over again. Lots of stuff about, you know, whether it was the World Economic Forum or opinions of politics. It got a bit tiresome. And it's true. So I moved things a little bit away. Oh, we go back there. We go back there every now and again. And there's some political commentary. Um, And that will always be there. There'll always be some things. Um, that are discussed on Agitators Anonymous that most other musicians or heavy metal podcasts would never touch. And that's got to be the way. It is called Agitators Anonymous, after all. But what it has done is it's sort of cleared the way um, for some of the uh, lyrical themes or concepts of the album. Because what was certainly clear to me was that many, many musicians, I think, wrote albums in lockdown, and a lot of people wrote about lockdown. They wrote, obviously, about their mental state, or they wrote about, you know, if you're there were many, many, I suppose, young thrash metal bands writing about stuff to do with the big state and you know the environment and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the, the lockdown gave an awful lot of people a lot of time, a sort of insight into um, time and space to try and write. But it would, it was, I think, in truth, very hard to. Um, think about things that were probably not connected with it. And so, very much, um, for the new Primordial primordial album, I didn't want to write about, you know, stuff about the deep state military industrial complex. Not that Primordial was ever really, you know, Primordial was never that kind of band. But over the years, there's been, of course, um, you know, the, I've got to stop saying, you know, but back in the first couple of albums, there was definitely a more sort of pagan I suppose, feel to things in that I was writing about, you know, pre-Christian mythology or there were some elements of Celtic um, mythology or influences or that kind of thing. Not that Primordia was ever myth or fantasy or that kind of stuff. They were kind of you were using the stories as allegories. If you take like Sons of the Morrigan on Storm Before Calm, which is based on the story of the Children of Lear. But when you actually read the Children of Lear, if you get hold of it online or you get hold of a book about Celtic mythology, what the um, allegory really is is about um, immigration. So Irish people leaving Ireland and returning back and returning back to, um, you know, after generations, what they find when they return. And that's how I was using sort of... um, You were using your uh, myth to try and tell something with some purchase in the modern world. So it's clear that, you know, through the podcast, I had a sort of voice to my frustrations. I had a voice um, to speak about many things that were happening um, in this crazy world of crazy things that were happening in society for the last couple of years, um, and how predictable it would be to try and just make an album as a continuation of all those kind of things. But it is the Agitators Anonymous podcast, specifically just you know, what comes out of my gray matter. It's not the primordial podcast. And so people have said to me, oh, you're going to be discussing the things you're discussing in your podcast. And I was, just no, definitely not. So then if we have cleared the way, cleared the ground, um, and so don't feel the need to discuss, um, you know, things like, that have elements of modern politics to them. Um, you know or sort of political references or any of the things that maybe you know went into some some of the songs in the last couple of albums. Then I thought, well how how better would it be? how it would be better to just um, com- completely avoid everything and so um, sweep the path for what was a real an actual sort of pagan album and go back maybe to the first some of the first albums themes or to just try and avoid modern society. Because I think people are so weary and sick of um, songs that were made during lockdown, about lockdown, and bands who just produced an album because they would nothing else to do. In fact, I'm very glad that Primordial had nothing to release and didn't do anything. Um, now, of course, people say, oh, you haven't released an album in five years. and But I say, I kind of think of it really as we haven't released an album in two and a half, three years, because two and a half years was taken from us, um, which we won't get back. But it was taken from us and it was taken from us in a productive sense and as creative people and all the things you want to do as a band. But we've been through all of that, but I'm not certainly not going to write an album about it. So then you go, OK, we will place the album in, um, you know, some sort of um, pagan. Let's say we place it in the pagan past of Ireland and you go back two and a half, three thousand years. How do you write a first person narrative song placing yourself in three thousand years ago that doesn't just sound like a weather report? Yeah, that's the kind of the problem, because I will say this, that the skill of writing a song which has different characters, think of um, Nick Cave, you know, Red Right Hand or something like this. Um, Think of Nick Cave, think of Leonard Cohen, think of Tom Waits, I suppose. They're my good examples of, um, you know, narratives that involve um, characters telling stories, talking to each other. This is a very risky lyrical concept in heavy metal. And I personally don't think I'm particularly good at that kind of lyric. In fact, I find it hard to think of any heavy metal, really, that doesn't just use the first-person narrative, I this, I the other, uh, we, how we, I and we look at the world, not, here's a character who speaks to another character. Um, because it just somehow doesn't seem to have been a thing that's ever really been part of heavy metal or hard rock's lexicon. Now, maybe that says something about heavy metal and hard rock. That is, it is quite singular and quite sort of self-obsessed. But they're difficult lyrics to write. So are you going to try and write some sort of narrative between characters and set them in some, um, you know, mythical landscape that's two and a half, three thousand years old? Or do you just write about, no doubt, the filthy, drizzly, stormy earthen weather That um, we all romantically feel um, embodies Ireland, but how do you write a whole album full of lyrics of that? That is the conundrum, and that is the conundrum that I face after promising to the rest of the guys that I won't um, drop lyrics that are going in the new album that are too sloganeering. They're not more repeats of the where is the fighting man stuff, and they're not going to reference a couple of things here and there. You know the the primordial lexicon of um, words, the word generator. Um, that sometimes, you know, well, if you've written a lot of lyrics and you've written a lot of albums, sometimes themes come up again and again. So the the it was put to me, well, you're going to have to try and write something completely new, right? So, and because this is a kind of a Blitzkrieg album for Primordial, where I'm getting really stuck into it the last couple of months... As a lyric writer, you're already two, three, four months behind where you would have normally been. So you find yourself sitting in the green room of the studio, surrounded by bits of papers, books you have brought out that you think might be influential or inspirational. And you kind of think, okay, now I have to. um, Don't get me wrong. There are quite a lot of words and quite a lot of lyrics written, but trying to. um, It's kind of like, you know, when you see a crime show and you've got. Um, You see your, you know, detective looking at the wall trying to connect all the photographs and his little um, pins in them and, you know, um, string move between all the different pictures trying to figure out who killed whom. You know, it was Mr. Blue in the... um, in the pantry with the lead pipe, or whatever you're trying to do, so you find yourself trying to scrabble together different themes and ideas, and you've got to go, and you're going, okay, we've got to start singing in four or five days. I better have some of this nailed, and um, because you really need to have a more definite idea, which, of course, you would have if we'd started, I suppose, rehearsing a bit earlier. So you find yourself in a quandary. Um, you need to find a new angle, a new themes, new words, and this is where the idea that you put yourself under pressure. You know, to, okay, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen now. Something will happen. It has to. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that really answers the question, but um, certainly you're we're trying, trying to find a new angle with the lyrics and um, with the imagery. And I have to realize that the things I speak to all of you about on the podcast can't creep into those lyrics. Someone asked me, did I think that it was... Um, Unusual, you know, Left to Die, which is a um, uh, death, leprosy, scream bloody gore, mainly leprosy, Uh, basically a covers band involving a bunch of people, including Rick Ross, who played on Leprosy and Terry Butler, I think um, we're touring. Um, I mean, I've had this conversation with people before in that you make the choice as a fan. If you want to go and see it, go and see it. I don't I mean, it doesn't bother me that musicians are, you know, that there's now appears to be two death tribute bands touring. At the same time, one in America and one in Europe. Um, And, you know, realistically, they're pulling more people. I think there were six, seven hundred people at the show in Dublin last night. Are Dead Congregation going to get six, seven hundred people? Nope. But that's just how things go. Death was a very popular band back in the day. And an awful lot of modern um, heavy metal subculture, thrash and death metal, is driven by nostalgia. Um, Zentrix played the night before. And I would imagine it was I didn't go. I don't like Zentrix, but it was 200 dudes, bet, you know, between uh, 40 and 50 um, going back to 1990 when they bought the Ghostbusters, Zentrix 12 inch. Um, and so Left to Die was an excuse for lots of other dudes between uh, 40 and 50 to come out of the woodwork and, you know, enjoy hearing leprosy live. Why not? Uh, I mean, it is, like I said, a sort of um, nostalgic circus in a way that rewards um, people for not you know, making new music or not being creative now because they're just the kind of the numbers aren't there. But you can go and see both. You can go and see, I'm sure, A Blood Incantation if you want to and you can go and see Left to Die. I kind of don't see any reason why not. And I suppose somebody pointed out to me the, um, the fact that Uh, Primordial Head said, we will never do one of those album shows and we appear to be doing one where we play To the Nameless Dead at Beyond the Gates. And why did did that not make me a hypocrite? And I thought, well, you know what? I have said that. And it is only once. Um, I think we're all entitled to one um, vaguely hypocritical statement, I suppose, are we not? But it doesn't change the fact that we made To the Nameless Dead and if we want to play it, we can play it. Um, Makes no difference. Um, It's not like... It, you know, I'll be able to put an extra wing onto my um, house, you know, with the money that I'm going to get from playing um, an album in its entirety. The reality is that um, travel costs now are so insanely expensive for bands that the um, old band's fees generally, generally within a certain arena have gone up, but all of the costs have gone up. So you actually end up making less than you did years ago. So I might have to cancel um, that indoor Jacuzzi or whatever Um, shame I remember somebody once said to me um, you know At War a band I love actually At War if you don't know Order to Kill um, the the album from 86 I think super rough speed metal somewhere between Venom and Motorhead really killer stuff anyway, at war, order to kill. However, I was standing at a merch stall looking at something or other and some guy was like, I was wearing an at war shirt and he's like, oh, at war, I heard they reformed uh, probably for the money. And I said, "You really, what money do you think at war are going to make? You think they're getting paid? And he goes, oh, you know, I don't know what he presumed, but I think he presumed that the at war guys were uh, sitting around going, now, now is, the time is right now to capitalize on our, um, you know, reasonably small dent in the speed metal scene of 1986 through new Renaissance records by reforming now uh, and that they were, you know, getting paid 10,000 euro or 15,000 euro. And I was going, dude, they're probably just getting their flights paid for. um, And really, would you begrudge a bunch of dudes who, you know, reform the band after it finishing in 89 or whatever, you ref- you would begrudge them one last, um, you know, spin around this ball of dirt, trying to play a few shows, have a few experiences. Yeah, you know, he said, yeah, well, I just think they're doing it for money. And I said, well, I can assure you that they aren't. But it's just a strange mentality to say that um, the band don't have dominion over their own logo, their own music. And I think what it is, is that people sometimes, I've said this before on the podcast, they claim ownership of the bands they love. And the band, what the band does somehow becomes a representation of them, of their desires, of their memories. An ex-band can't reform, surely because it'll affect my memories of um, how I feel about it. But why not? You want to go and see Left to Die? That is no problem, and who knows, maybe it kickstarts a few hearts, a few middle-aged death metal hearts, and somebody gets talking at the bar, and they go, hey, have you checked out the new Immolation album? And they go, wow, Immolation is still making records. Someone else goes, yeah, they're on, like, album 9 or 10 or whatever, and says, you got to check out Atonement or whatever, which is a fucking brilliant album. And they go, oh, okay. And you know what? The phone comes out, they go on their Spotify, and they click on Immolation. And they go, "God damn, there's a new Immolation album. And maybe Immolation comes through the next time, and there's a couple of extra people. It can happen. So we do have a new, uh, another sponsor for the podcast. And that is, if you're in a band out there, um, not even in a band, if you're doing anything or whatever, and you're thinking um, that you need really professional backdrops, like the huge ones you see behind Primordial, for example, go and take a Google image live or something. Um, we got them all printed um, from a company in Estonia. Um, and believe me, they're about, cheaper than most of the huge backdrops you get from mainland or Western Europe. And they're also super fireproofed. They're, you know, come with all the hooks, all the hanging stuff, everything you could possibly need. And they do great deals. Um, And so you use the promo code A L A N. And if you are interested in some killer backdrops, email yes at. Torodrops.com and that is T-O-R-O-DROPS.COM I'll put it underneath in the description um, or you can just DM me and I will pass you on to them um, but I totally recommend that you should do it. So this coming Friday, the podcast, I'm going to do one, try and do one with the engineer who is um, recording The new primordial trying to actually make it in the studio and discuss some really geeky, nerdy stuff about gear, about amps, about guitars, about miking techniques. And I'm going to try and film some stuff as well. So you've got to forgive me that that's kind of all my brain is full with right now. It's sort of overflowing with all of the stuff that you have to sort of kind of do when you're in the studio um, and focus on all those things. So why not? Some people seem to like the last podcast, which was what happens on the first day in the studio. Well, let's take a look at what happens after one week where you should be, where you could be with your recording, and some of the real nerd stuff. Yes, indeed. My friends, Agitators Anonymous, Tuesday's podcast comes to you from a wet, rainy, drizzly grey and cold Dublin, and we will see you on Friday.